All right, what's up? Stuart Anderson here. Welcome to Me Dwelle Podcast, episode 37, where we sit down with uh, Mr. Charles Smart for the next hour. Grateful for Charles, not only for spending the time doing the podcast, but for being an outstanding and incredible teammate and friend. Uh, if there's one thing about Charles, you know that he's going to give you his absolute best when it comes time. There's nobody you want by your side more when it comes time to race and put it on the line than Charles Smart. The dude is a killer, the king of cram. You know he's going hard, and it's why we love Charles. So uh, stay tuned. He's got some great advice, some great philosophy on training and why he rides, and uh, just a, an incredible example to everybody on how to be an excellent teammate for Miduele. So thank you to Charles. Some announcements at the beginning about kits, about uh, team store, camp, and a little special blurb on saddle sores. <laughs> Enjoy. We might explore that just a little more as uh, maybe some episodes roll on. So uh, thanks for listening. Grateful for each of you. Huge shout out to Morton Pedersen. Uh, I don't know if you uh, remember, but Morton was in, a, in, a, in an accident last year and uh, has been recovering through uh, organ transplants and recovery uh, back in Indianapolis for the last year. And he's really turned a corner. Uh, Morton is doing great. And we uh, we just give him a huge thumbs up. All the love from the team. Big shout out to Morton to keep getting strong, keep getting healthy, and know that uh, you're still in our thoughts and prayers. So great job, Morton. Can't wait to have you back in Salt Lake, uh, back on the bike. So uh, big shout out to Morton. And if you've got his cell phone or email, man, just send it to him. Send him all the love and let him know uh, we're thinking about him and pulling for him. All right, Miduele, grateful for each of you. Thankful to uh, have you on the podcast. Enjoy. All right, coming to you live from Miduele headquarters, this is Stuart Anderson. (laughs) What's up, dudes? This is going to be so fun. (laughs) Okay, Charles Smart, greetings. What's up, guys? Jake Cook, greetings. Good morning, or sorry, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Charles did that on our ride. He wished, wished somebody at 2.30 a good morning going up immigration. <laughs> did he really? Yes. <laughs> and it's because, what else do I say? That was just like what my brain says. Good morning. I, said I, I only bike in the morning is the natural response. <laughs> uh, okay. I want to start something new this episode. All guests have to report current training status. Jake, go. Well, currently private on Strava, so you can't see any of my training status. So mm-hmm. uh, I am incognito, but uh, I probably the local legend of immigration. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'll say. Okay, Cha, current training status. Yeah, um, I'm I'm recovering from white rim, so I have not been riding this week. Uh, I did ride a little bit last week, but uh, body body needed a break. Nice. Uh, I'm just. Uh... I'm actually going to a the I'm going to Orange Theory with Kristen three times a week, and that is sucking the bulk of my energy reserves. Uh, absolutely made the worst decision doing 80 pound goblet squats yesterday. So that is a, a terrible idea. Are you um, doing any rowing? Lots of rowing. Lots of rowing. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I currently have no hope for my hamstrings to ever recover from what I did to him yesterday. So, uh, okay. I have a few business. I'll just be quick kits. So it's December 1st. We're recording this December 1st. It'll close December 6th. Everyone wants to know, will it open again? Yes. So we'll open it probably April kits will arrive in June. We'll open it again in July and kits will arrive sometime in September. So there's two more times. Um, if you're going to buy kits, please just pay the team fee on Shopify. Very easy. Okay. Jake, Camp, go ahead. Camp is uh, we're rolling. I mean, we've continued to have discussions about it. We're kind of just waiting for the team store to close on the 6th so we can kind of get a head count. But, uh, you know, a lot of big things coming, big changes, additions to camp this year, and uh, hence we're charging a $30 fee. Um, we're going to have some really, really cool sponsors, some good raffles, and uh, some killer routes that we have some people planning. But, uh, yeah, all in all, I think this year is going to be pretty rad. So if you haven't committed to camp, please pay your fee and commit because it's going to be rad. Yeah, two weeks later than last year, so hopefully no snow, a little warmer. So when we go to Mesquite, it'll be a little warmer when we go. Yep, yep. And a new group me will oh, be created too. Oh, so 
yeah, I ain't riding close a mesquite. Of, I don't care how much uh, someone could pay me a thousand dollars. I won't ride a mesquite again. No mesquite. No mesquite. No but way. we will hey, we will create a new group me though. Um once okay. yeah, like I said, once the, the kid store closes, we'll create that and more information to come. So so if the topic was brought up, should we talk about saddle stores? I don't know if this is an entire podcast of itself or if we, this should just be a subtopic here at the beginning. Thoughts? I have one right now. So this would be oh. fantastic to talk about. <laughs> so does Charles. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm also. So give us your wisdom still. Dude, well, I think it's funny. I, I was going to send out like a, a thing to the team and just say like, well, what do you do? I don't think anyone has an answer. Like go to the internet. It is a mess. Like no one half the people don't even know what they are. Like, uh, well, I, I just put that tea trail tea tree oil on. I think you, yeah. you call it that you gave me, but yeah, that's all I do. I, I mean, I know you've gotten like a steroid shot. You've gone like yeah. way beyond Sue. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So if, let, let, well, let's talk about it. Let's just spend five minutes. It's my understanding from a dermatologist that this is not a pimple. That's not what's happening, right? It is a infected pore. So something has happened down there on your skin, whether um, it is a, a little hair that's like infected. The, it could be bacteria, uh, but something's happening inside a pore. And usually from what I understand, it's, it's happening because the pressure point has changed, dirty bibs, oil, sweat. So, something has happened that's different down there that's causing the pore to be sad sad face okay so you can chime in here but like nasty old bibs like swapping them out i what do you guys do some people have like all these go ahead if you're if you're wearing 2015 bibs throw them away Hmm. i mean that's number one just just get rid of them just get some new bibs but hey I, i will say I, I do not when i get home from a ride i will immediately take my bibs off and i will wash them like i do not sit in them then do you dry um, them? I, I hang dry all my stuff. Hang dry. So what do you wash them in? Normal wash, antibacterial wash. So I do them in a, in a quick wash. I do like yeah. a 20 minute wash. I don't do like a full cycle just because I mean, I've okay. washed so many kits all the time. So, okay. um, I mean, I don't know if that's probably my issue. Maybe why I have them is because I do a quick the, wash. The only, re- the only done, reason but... I ask team sky or whatever, I don't know what they're called. Ineos. Remember when they bought washing machines for every single rider on the team? That was to to cut down on the spread of bacteria when washing bibs after each tour, after each stage. Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Charles. We got in an argument on Zwift about protective creams and lotions. I want to hear thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm personally in the camp of always riding with some sort of saddle cream uh, based on a recent Zwift recommendation from somebody. I decided to not do it on my mm. most recent ride and <laughs> deeply regret that decision. So for me, <laughs> saddle cream works, but it, it doesn't, doesn't solve the problem completely either. Mm. What cream do you use, Cha? I am a D's nuts guys. Yep. yep. So yep. chamois butter is at our house, like that purple and yellow tube. I never put it on. I just, I don't know. I kind of yeah. like the tingly feeling of the D's nuts. I don't, I don't chop you get that yeah. feeling. I feel like the, mm. the, the butter stuff doesn't have that in it, but. Okay. Okay. I don't know. So what about things like I've done uh, Epsom salt baths when things are real nasty. Uh, I've done keep doing things to keep it super dry, like baby, not while I ride post. Uh, and then obviously like Jake just said, I have been to Dr. Christopher Hull at the University of Utah Dermatology Center, and he injected my saddle sore with a steroid shot while I was in the dermatology stirrups with my legs. (laughs) (laughs) And dude, it went away in like a week. And then actually what's happened is he gave me hydrocortisone cream, like prescription strength. And whenever anyone is like, even, even if it's like, tiniest bit i just put that on so you don't you don't pop them Stu. you just no you put way the cream, you put the cream right on top no of them? there's no, i never scratch pop i never do that ever really no okay. i feel like it makes it worse no i mean i've popped a few not gonna lie i mean tmi but and like it's gotten better for me but hmm. Hmm. okay i don't know 
Chaw? I, I'm a, kind of in the camp, but just try not to touch them. Like I, yeah. uh, I, I feel like the one thing, like sometimes I'm very diligent about switching out of bibs, like right when I get home yeah. and I wish I could shower, like most mornings, like I can shower pretty shortly thereafter, but like, you know, Saturdays you're running to the kid's soccer game and you can't like, sometimes I wonder if that's the, the link, but, uh, I yeah, don't I don't know. Okay. I really, this is going to be explored. Okay, team survey is coming. We're going deep on chode sores. So Aaron Jordan, ready. if you're out there, you know, yeah. maybe you could shed some light. You put this thousands gonna, of miles on. I mean, this is you know this might be a couple episode series, to be yeah. honest. Okay. I, I want to know someone's opinion on fit too. Like that's my latest thinking. Yeah. Like, is this just a fit problem? Like see the, I've, I've tried multiple saddles, I've tried different shorts, different chamois. Like, is it just a fit problem? See, that's what somebody's told me is like. You're switching from road to mountain bike to gravel bike. And, and that pressure point is constantly changing and like making things irritated. I don't know. That's, I don't know. Okay. Okay. There's got to be a guy. We got Mine hurts it. right now just thinking about it. So, so <laughs> uh, get ready. I'm going to introduce Charles. If you don't know him, here it comes. This introduction is from his wife. Uh, we asked Katie, special introduction. I would like to introduce my awesome husband, Charles Smart, a.k.a. dad, husband, bro. I like that. <laughs> Uncle Skeebum and Chaw. So you might have heard Chaw. To many, especially those from high school days and within the biking community, he's known as Chaw. The nickname Chaw began to fizzle away after college when we moved to San Francisco for work. For me, swapping Cha for Charles was a challenge. I had been using his nickname since I was young, 15-year-old high school sophomore that I was that was crushing on the hot, blonde, shaggy-haired junior. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> However, I adapted, and after living out of state for over four years, the nickname Cha officially died. It wasn't until Charles began biking with me, Dwelly, that the name came back, and it's so nostalgic to hear people call him Chaw. Dude, that's all I've ever known you as. That's fun. Okay. Charles grew up in Salt Lake City, oldest of six. Dude, I didn't know you're oldest. Yep. How old are you? 35. 35. Okay. He went to East High School where he met the girl of his dreams. I love that. Then graduated from the University of Utah with a degree in economics and has now has been working in finance ever since. Charles has always loved to bike. He's been road biking for years, even before it became popular amongst our generation. Hmm. I like to think he's a trendsetter. Back in 2004, you were 17 then, he would bike from the high avenues in Salt Lake City to soccer games in Orem. Which route? Suncrest? That didn't even exist. Point, point of the mountain, going past those double double trailers at the gravel pit. like Terrifying. Very scary. It's huh. gnarly. <laughs> Then after watching my game, he would bike home. Today, that's standard for Saturday morning, but that back in 2004, it was crazy. I would agree as a 17-year-old. <laughs> Three things Charles, love, Charles loves uh, besides biking. Family, amazing husband, father. The best to our four children, Charlie, nine. Ellie, seven. Ruby, four. Caroline, two. Does Caroline ski yet? She does not ski yet, but no she desperately asks to go. Very good. Okay, so number two, skiing. He loves to ski and has taught our kids to enjoy the sport. He and his kids have already been up three times this season. Charles, I was using you as like a, an example to my kids. Like, we got to go. Charles has been up three times. So, <laughs> And then this is awesome. A good nap. <laughs> he can fall asleep <laughs> anywhere. He's been known to completely pass out sitting up while chaos erupts around him. Dude, I love that. <laughs> okay. Charles is a beef jerky connoisseur. Mexican food is favorite food. And he lives for our yearly trip to Newport. That's in what? End of August? End of August. Yeah. Beautiful. For some reason, he's always in the market for a new bike and spends unnecessary amounts <laughs> of time on KSL. I can't wait to get into that. That's great. Oh, so good. Hey, Ja, tell us about uh, early life. Did we miss anything? Was that good? She got it. She got it. That was fun. Okay. Katie's Jake, rad. Jake, you know Charles from high school. I do. I mean, uh, I think Charles maybe, uh, I mean, so I was a freshman at East when he was a senior. And oh, okay. uh, back in the day, the, the seniors used to shave the freshmen, the heads. So um, I, don't, I don't think Charles actually shaved my head, but uh, his group of friends did. And 
I think nice. I got shaved three or four times that year. So my that whole year of freshman year, I had a bald head. So it was dude, great. Sounds terrible. Yeah. But <laughs> but Cha Cha was a legend, dude. And you know, speaking of hair, um, you know, Cha right now has short hair, but he was famous for the uh the long shag, as his wife said. And uh, you know, the famous old school kind of bull cut, you know, the long hair <laughs> kind of goes straight across, you know. So um I'm I'm kind of I've voting for Cha to bring that back, you know. So <laughs> I wish okay, man. tell us about early life, maybe uh work, what you do now. Just give it to us, your family, what you do. Yeah. So so Katie covered a lot of it, but uh grew up in the avenues, um, one of six children. Uh Katie was the only girl I've ever dated. I asked her to homecoming and actually didn't connect the dots that she had gone to. So I knew her when she was a freshman. Her sophomore year, she had transferred to Roland Hall. And I asked her to homecoming. I was a junior and I didn't even know that she wasn't at East High. And so sort of a funny <laughs> connection to make when I realized that she wasn't there. But uh, she ended up transferring back to East. And, uh, you know, we've been uh, high school sweethearts ever since. But in terms of work, I, I work as a venture capitalist. So I invest in technology companies, typically companies that are, you know, two to four years away from an IPO. Uh, my personal kind of background tends to be more on the software side. So a lot of investing in, in, in software companies is kind of a, is a professional. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of it on my end. What about this where your work parallels cycling? I like that. What do you, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the venture capital world is really interesting in that you will make an investment and it's generally kind of, you know, many years before you know if you made a good decision or not, right? So mm. it takes time for these companies to grow. It takes time for some sort of, you know, exit to manifest itself. And so there's a lot of patience and waiting and just, you know, you, you get a sense for how companies are trending, but you won't know for many years in most cases, whether you made a good investment or not in, in the venture capital world. Um, I, I think that's very similar to cycling in that there's like lots of effort involved in training and pr preparation, all these little details that you have to basically do kind of day in, day out for, for months and years and in some cases even decades to, to really see kind of the, the you know, the outcome of, of your effort. So I think there's just a lot of parallels in, in patience, kind of attention to detail and, and things like that. I agree. Very good. And spoken nice. like a true legend. Jeez. Okay, well, that was a great podcast. We're going to wrap up. Uh, okay uh katie alluded to your long uh rides i mean let's let's talk about that for a sec how'd you get into endurance sports yeah so like growing up my my dad um not a big sports guy but one of the things that he he did do is he had done a little bit of road biking and so like he would talk to me about having rode out to the great salt lake which is like a teenager seemed kind of crazy and so you know, sort of hit a point in time where I was old enough to go do that with him and, and kind of got a little bit of taste. You know, I grew up in the avenue, so close to the foothills of, of Salt Lake City. And so was out on a bike kind of in the hills behind my home quite a bit growing up. And um, I, in 2002, I, I got a job working at a local kind of bike shop, ski shop here in Salt Lake called Sports Den. You. At the time, the coolest bike in the world was this bike called a Kona Stinky. In fact, mine was the Kona Stinky Deluxe, which was like basically the the like leveled up version in the base model. I'm looking and, and that this up thing was right like now. A downhill bike, like it was. It's, not it's like it's all sports then sold, man. It was like it, the it's bike all to sports then sold. They were like I think they were the number one dealership of that bike yep. in the nation at the time. Yep. Um, and, and this is like, you know, I'm a high school junior at the time. I think the bike was like $2,500. Like that was more money than I'd ever had or this kind bike. of spent on anything. And, uh, you know, I basically got my parents to give me a loan to buy this bike. And, and that's when I would say I really got into riding bikes like every day. And, and so right behind my home, I would ride up, like I would ride on the trail kind of through my backyard to dry Creek up dry Creek along Bonneville shoreline and down bobsled. And like, that was just a lap that I would do, um, every day. And then, you know, part of it was also like in that same time frame. you know, Lance started winning a lot, the, the tour de France, he came out with his book. I have this like very distinct memory of, uh, being with my parents and, and they, for some reason, like they wasn't 
they just had been reading the book and I picked it up and I just like couldn't put it down. I'd never really rode a road bike, hmm. um, but was just kind of blown away with what he would talk about in there. And so while I was still working at Sports Den, kind of sight unseen, I went and I, I sold the Kona on eBay, which like at the time was kind of, I, I think it was kind of wild. Like, I think I shipped it to Alaska, like didn't even know how to like <laughs> barely do anything. Like, I think the guy was like reporting me as a fraud because I was like slow to actually ship the product. And he was, you know, he was, <laughs> he was like, why is this seller not, you know, delivering his goods? Anyways, it ended up transacting, getting through, but um, basically took that cash and plowed it into this uh, Cervelo Soloist. And this was like, as far as I know, this was the first model of the Cervelo Soloist that ever came out. And it had this like very sleek arrow teardrop frame. Like I actually think a lot of bikes today have adopted the geometry and sort of this look and feel of what those old Soloists look like. And uh, I literally, you know, bought the kit at Sports Den, bought the shoes, bought the bike, like in, in road from sports den, which is on foothill drive up emigration Canyon. And I just remember being blown away. Like you could pedal fast and you could just feel it instantly push you faster up the hill. Whereas like on the, you know, on this downhill mountain bike, like you would pedal and you just like feel the travel and the shocks just like suck every bit of power out of you. And that was the first real like road bike ride. And I just, I kind of fell in love. And then it was just honestly kind of just turned into like, well, I, I think I could ride up to Brighton. I think I could go up to Alta. I think I could go to the soccer game and it just kind of took on its life. So that was high school. That was high school. Yeah. Dang dude. Were you, training, rad, were you training at all? Were you just like out, just like I'm going to Alta. I didn't have like any structure or anything like that. There, there was one other kid in high school who was actually pretty into road biking that I rode a little bit with. Um, he ended up going to Durango to, to ride at a kind of a collegiate level. And like, that wasn't anything that I was considering, but I just remember seeing people and thinking like, Hey, I want to beat this person up the hill. Oh, and boy. it just, I think it's a bad attitude actually to have. Dude, biking, you, but you, you've but been like, stone cold since kid. day one, man. You've been stone cold since day one. <laughs> I, I've been, Jeez. I've been so humbled since then, Jake. Jeez. <laughs> the truth is coming out, man. I can't wait to share that. Okay. Charles, I did not start riding a bike till I was like 28. Like I'm dead serious. I didn't even put my leg over a road bike. Like it's incredible. You've been riding a bike for so long. It's awesome. I I think part of it, I'll just add this in is like, I played soccer growing up, but like freshman year, soccer kind of got in the way of, of skiing. So as I went into my sophomore year, I was like, all right, I just want to ski. I don't want to like deal with any other commitment, which in some ways, like I regret now, but I think that gave me time and sort of an opportunity to ride a bike. That I, I think most high school kind of athletes don't, don't mm-hmm. frankly have. And I also think road biking requires a level of kind of suffering and tolerance that like most, most kids don't actually want to deal with. Right. Right. Yeah. Like even sitting on a bike, most kids are like, yeah, this sucks. Like, mm. But now it's like a high school sport, which is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, life before me dwelle. What was it like? So, I mean, I had some friends that rode bikes. I didn't have anything too consistent. Probably the most consistent, um, person I'd ride with is my brother, Edward, who a lot of people on the team will know. He, he lived not too far away. So we would meet up and ride, you know, Mill Creek or emigration or big Mount or whatever. Um, but when he, he moved, he was at BYU. And so he moved down to, to Provo and Orm to be closer to school. Uh, that kind of actually opened up this window where like in catching up with Jake, he was like, Hey, come ride with the team. And I remember, I, I vividly remember my first ride. It was, I think it was a Thursday yes. morning, yes. big cottonwood. Yep. Dave Sharp was there. Paul Watson was there. Jake was there. <laughs> Andy was there. Like the whole crew of like me dwelling and OGs. Yeah. And I remember like, okay, we start going and you get to storm mountain and sharp just turned on the jets. And I was like, okay, like I can get to the top of this. And then I managed to get up there with him, but it's like the jets just never came off. And so (laughs) I think we got to about silver fork lodge and it was like Andy and Paul and sharp. And like, I just, I just got dropped. And I remember being like, wow, these guys are, these guys are hardcore. And uh, I'm not sure I have that uh, Mm. level of uh, fighting me every bike ride, but uh, I absolutely loved it. And, and the rest is kind of history from there. Yeah. Do you remember when you were like, Okay, I'm gonna start. Was it slow? Cause I, I don't remember. Okay, I remember doing Iron Lung, 
in 2018. But then I really don't remember how we like, I don't remember how it became like we were riding together every day. I don't remember like even when it started. So I, yeah, the first time I think I met you, Stu, because I don't think you were there that day in Mm -mm. Big Cottonwood. The first time I met you was at Iron Lung and it was going up Big Mountain, which I think is still my PR. It's like just yep. it's like a hair over an hour <laughs> PR, which like it was you, Adam Barker and I. And I had yep. met Adam through some other friends that were into biking. And so I like I didn't know him super well, but I like I knew him enough to be like, hey, there's a friendly face. Like, let's let's ride, you know, like mm. let's group up together on this Iron Lung. And so that was my first time meeting you. And I feel like. I feel like it was probably sometime after that where. Yeah, me too. What was, what was the year you didn't do Loda Joe? Yeah, that year I didn't do it. Okay. So that was the same year I didn't do Loda Joe. I feel like we rode really deep into the fall. And I remember that's when Jake, I think that's when Jake connected us over text and like bought the team kit. Well, well, Stu, I remember Stu coming back from that iron lung and being like, Hey, I wrote this, you know, Charles smart kid and like, tell me about him. And so. Anyway, I think that's kind of, again, what initiated the, the whole conversation. Yeah, for, our, for our listeners, my set, that was my second fastest Emmy to Big Mountain. But then coming back, I was walking my bike up the backside. <laughs> it's the slowest backside Big Mountain I've ever done. Like, I was a wreck. And you, like, went off with Ed, Charles. You were still, like, you were still spry. Well, what, what you guys, well, a lot of people will know is that uh, Edward was like very much the hammer in like, when I ride with him, he, he will like drop the hammer and I just get like crushed. And so that particular day, the way it had worked out is like, Edward was the first one over a big mountain. And like, he didn't know the course. He didn't know oh my anything, but like his time all over that mountain, like he was, I think minutes ahead of where we were even. And so when he came back up the backside of big mountain, he was like completely cracked. And so I sort of like took that chance to, to, you know, put a little bit of pressure on him, but like, it, it didn't matter. He, he was, he was still strong till the end, but, uh, that, so that was a fun day. That was a really Ed, fun Ed's day. a strong rider, man. He's a, he's a great rider. Yeah, he is. That's he, he needs to, he needs to pace himself, but he, he's a phenomenal <laughs> rider. He is. Do, do we want to dip any more into KSL Charles? I feel like it's gotten some good action already, but you've mentioned it a few times. I tell, Tell me about this guilty pleasure of KSL. Yeah, look, I, I think I'm, I'm just, I'm pretty transactional with bikes. Like I'm always, I'm never in the market and I'm always in the market, right? Like if I find the right <laughs> deal, if I find the right price, like I'll, I'll transact. And I think it really goes back to that, like Kona stinky that I first bought and then had to sell on eBay to fund my, this Cervelo soloist. And so I think part of my problem is like, I'll get into these mindsets where I want to be off of social media, just, you know, wasting time or distraction or whatever. So I'll delete, you know, like Instagram and Facebook and whatnot from my phone. And when I do that, then I'm just searching KSL for bike deals. So it's, it's just, it's silly. It's, 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 it's not a good use of time, but it's, it's a, for sure a guilty pleasure I've got. Oh, good dude. I love that. (laughs) And I love that Katie even put it in the introduction. What did she say? For some reason, he's always in the market for a new bike and spends unnecessary amounts of time on KSL. Although, what do you <laughs> tell the listeners? What are you riding now, though? You didn't get that on KSL. No, I I, I bought the Ventum. Um, opportunistically, I just when that deal came out and and Ventum was kind of new on the scene a year ago, and and frankly, bikes were also hard to get. I sort of thought, hey, like let's let's roll the dice. Let's give this new this new, I thought, I thought it looked really sleek and, and, uh, I've, I've loved the Ventum. So it's, it's been great. But, uh, like I said before, I kind of, I'm kind of always in the market. And so we'll, we'll see what comes next. Your, your mountain bike though is from KSL, right? My mountain bike is from KSL and your gravel and your mountain bike is sick and my gravel. (laughs) So so two out of the three, two out of the three. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to your just overzealous race calendar for 2021, uh, you mentioned in our little pre-show document here about your family growing up. Let's just talk about that for one second. How it? Uh, I really like Charles. If you've been with Charles or ever watched him, pedal therapy. Let's hear the background here behind pedal therapy. Yeah, I mean, so so biking is is really something special for me. Um, 
I think some people probably know this, some might not, but when I was 16 years old, my sister was kidnapped from my family home. And when that happened, you know, my, my entire world just got turned upside down on its head. And, and so like there, you know, like my family was dealing with, you know, the like ramifications of this like horrendous situation. And, you know, look, 16 is, is a hard time of life without any of these things happening. And so, you know, there's, there's a whole lot that like goes into that story, but kind of where biking comes in is, you know, I, I have points and kind of memories and points in time where like my mind would just be racing about like kind of the potential scenarios of like what my sister would be dealing with and like what my family was dealing with. And, and so getting out on the bike for me, like the, the road bike, it was like, generally, you know, you're, you're pedaling hard enough and you're suffering that like your brain can't be focused on, it, it can't be focused on like kind of the worry of the moment. At least that's how it was for me. And going from that, um, going from kind of like my day-to-day -day life to being able to kind of take a little bit of like a break from the real world and, and ride my bike was, was really a therapeutic and, and special thing. And, and then I think like the, the opposite of like, you know, when you're descending on a road bike, whether that's like, you know, cruising 40 miles an hour down emigration, or if you're on a mountain bike going down a trail, like you, you are so focused. You can't even, you can't even take your mind or your, you know, literally your eye off the road or the trail for a second, or, or you're going down. And so, um, you know, look, I, I probably should have had therapy for, you know, the sort of the, some of the stuff that my family had to deal with. But uh, for, for me, biking was just an outlet that really helped me to kind of cope and, and get through that, that life event. And, and even to this day, like the variables in my life are very different, you know, in terms of, you know, what I might be dealing with or what anyone's dealing with. Um, but I, I just find like getting on the bike, it kind of fills three different buckets for me. I mean, I think there's very much a physical aspect of just like getting that exercise, having those endorphins, like that's so positive in my life. There's also just like, I, I find that I get like mental clarity and like a, a level of happiness that like emotionally comes from just pedaling a bike. And then the third part is like, there's a very much like sort of a social component as well for me, which is, has really been kind of amplified by the Miduele group, which has been something very special to find. People who are interested in, in riding bikes and have many kind of shared values and being able to go out and, and candidly mostly suffer with those people is, is something that's, I, I would almost describe it as sacred for me. Awesome. For real. I mean, you wrote on here somewhere it's spiritual. I agree, Charles. I feel it's why we're connected so close with some of these people we ride with. I'm serious. You know, is you like cannot replicate that in in my in my opinion in any other way. I mean, maybe some other endurance sport or team activity, but man, I agree. Well, I think there's something to be said about like suffering. Like when when like you kind of like I mean, there's the analogy of like a mother and a child, right? Like when you've suffered so for someone, you tend to like love that person a little bit more. And, and I get that the cycling dynamic is very different, but like I think when you're out on these really hard days or these hard pushes and you're you're sort of like suffering with people, like it it feels it just sort of bonds and forges relationships in a in a very different way than like a normal social setting might permit. Yeah. Sacred. Awesome. Euphoric. Euphoric, baby. <laughs> so good. Okay, well, Charles. Let's 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 talk about your uh your 2021 races. Give us a rundown, dude. Yeah, so so 2021. Um I wanted to switch it up in 21. So I bought the gravel bike in 2020, wanted to get some gravel under the belt. I also had bought a, a mountain bike, so I wanted to try, you know, point to point I'd seen. Uh, you know, Chip and John Olson and so many of our kind of friends riding point to point. That was sort of a bucket list one for me. And then like Lodija, I, I mean, hate it or love it. I'm, I'm just a sucker <laughs> for that race. Like, um, so I did do, I did do all three of those events. And, and I, like, I think this has been like a standard rotation of races for Chip, which like hats off mm -hmm. to him, man. He, 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 well, that's, that's it. the triple crown, dude. That's the, the triple, triple crown well, and Chip. And Chip added last year, flipping Belgian waffle. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And all road, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I, well, I, don't Sean, think I. Go go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. 
I was gonna say, I don't think I had the the all road in, in me. Like that would have been three weeks of like back to back, just brutal eight plus hour yeah. races. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were saying like crusher was probably one of your favorite races of the year. I mean, you said you were, you're, you're planning on going back, right? I, I was, yeah, I, I absolutely loved crusher. I think there was a couple things that really like surprised me to the upside on that event. One is like, I'd never spent any time in Beaver in that mountain range right there. And like mm. the, like the beauty, I like, I was just blown away. So beautiful, incredible riding, like the way they, they manage that course. Like, I don't even think I saw a single car that wasn't a race vehicle on the course other than there's like a small little loop that's, that's, that's on the road. Um, and, and so like, that was amazing. I think the other aspects that I really liked about it, it's like, it's just, it's a lot of climbing. So it's like, it's a lot of suffering. It's gritty. And like, one of my favorite parts is like, it's an uphill finish. Like, you know, like a lot of these, you know, Lodija is, it's a, you know, it's what a nine hour race that comes down to a sprint. And so like, I think that dynamic is, is really interesting in that, like a matter of, of seconds, tens or split seconds, even tends to determine the race. Whereas with like, with that mountaintop finish, like it's just, it's a complete grind until the very end. And, and I just, I liked it. I loved it. I'm, I'm going to sign up again for sure. Dude, right. you had your family up there. Didn't you, when you finished? I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. It was, hot, it was so good. It's great. It was awesome. It's okay. Awesome, uh, I saw you all day at point to point. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, point to point, like, di like different, very, obviously very different than crusher because it's all single track. It's all, you know, it's, it's all kind of in our backyard in terms of like the mountain bike rides that those of us who live in Salt Lake are, are riding frequently. And so it, what I liked about that is it was a big race, but like sleep in your own bed, show up, a, you know, relatively reasonable hour. And then it's just riding the most incredible trails on the mountain bike, like in our backyard, which like, I think we hit segments of that, you know, as kind of riders here relatively often, but like, the, the course was incredible. The race was incredible. Uh, we, you know, we got really lucky that day. Like there was all this talk about the smoke shutting down that I event that. because the AQI was too high. And we were fortunate enough that that cleared out enough for them to hold the event. The, the temperature wasn't too bad, even though, you know, it's uh, it's labor day. So it's definitely a hotter time of the year for uh, yeah. riding bikes, but um, I, yeah, a big, big fan of that race. Did you spend any time at the Oasis? <laughs> you know, I, I cruised through the Oasis and I think I grabbed like a slice of watermelon, but I, I did not, uh, like, I feel like the longer you drag any of these like bike yeah. races out, just like the more painful it is. And so for me, it was just like, put a foot down, grab it as quickly as possible and keep going. And, and so I think I, I grabbed something there, but it, yeah, I just, I wanted the, <laughs> wanted the race to be over as quickly yeah, as but possible. Jake, maybe you don't know this part at the first stop in Deer Valley, Charles comes pedaling through. Hey, have you seen Katie? And I'm like, well, no, I'm support. I'm, I'm there supporting Adam. And he just goes, okay. And he just rode through. And I'm like, no I support. No I don't support? know. I don't Charles. After that, I was like, I have no idea wh where he's going. What is he going to do? He, he got <laughs> no water bottles. He got nothing. <laughs> Well, and Katie arrived like 30 seconds after he left and she was like, no, I, I missed him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the backstory there is, uh, I had not actually ever been planning on her to be there oh, okay. because I, I had two different camelbacks. One was big enough that I could get through to the sort of 50 mile marker and then swap out with a new one. And so I sort of opportunistically said, Hey, like, if you want to come up and like, you know, say hi or you know like ride up the ski lift with the kids like that'd be fun but that's right the the timing of it like she missed it it, it wasn't a big deal like it definitely didn't impact i was mentally prepared to like not stop there kind okay. of leading up to the race so it wasn't it didn't it didn't throw me off at all king of cram he was ready to go <laughs> king of cram <laughs> <laughs> i know dude she had all your kids i was like oh man i'm so oh, that's real. what about like, uh what about white room chaw I, I, I love white rim. Like I'm, I'm my style of riding. Like I'm not like a super big risk taker in terms of like descending. Like I'm never going to be the fastest guy down the Canyon on a road bike. I'm never going to be the fastest guy down a trail on a mountain bike, 
And I feel like white rim plays to what I kind of enjoy the most in that it's like, it's, it's long, it's rough, it's gritty. It's like, I think there's even an element of risk that kind of exists on that ride that doesn't exist in many of the other races, because like, if you get 50 miles in, like there's no bailing out, like you're riding 50 miles, either back out the way, you know, you came in or you're finishing the loop. And so it's just like, there's sort of a level of intensity of, I think, being out in like the wilderness without, you know, really any extra support options. Um, no, you know, like no cell service pretty much like you need to bring all your water out there. And, and I, I kind of love that. And then I also just think that like the, the, like the views and like the scenery is just, it's among the most beautiful riding I've ever done for sure. How long did you think about that? Your cell phone was going to be gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, so there's a little bit of a backstory there. So okay, I, I was it. meeting up with, uh, with, it was Taylor Cannon, uh, Zach West and Jason Lang to start from the, the FKT starting point of the segment. And I'd accidentally parked like a quarter mile away. At, like it was in the, you know, it's like er, totally dark early in the morning. There was a, a trailhead parking lot that looked like the spot I was supposed to meet them. Turned out it wasn't. And so I like throw my bike up on top of my car to go race down the road to meet him. And in the process of doing that, I set my cell phone on top of the, like on oh. top of my car by the bike rack. <laughs> yeah. So then I drive, I drive over to like the right meeting point, meet up with them, but like, I forgot the phone there. And so we kind of get up to the edge of the Canyon where you actually have this incredible view down, down like the horse thief segment of the trail and everyone's pulling out their phones and I'm like, well, I should probably find my phone and like take a picture. And I like, I couldn't really find it, but like, you know, the camelbacks like so jam full of stuff. I'm like, oh, it's just, this is probably buried in there. So then at about like mile 50, we like take a minute to kind of like, you know, eat some food and like hydrate and whatever. So I'm kind of digging through my pack and I'm like, I don't think my phone's in here. <laughs> and then I start to think, I'm like, you know what? I, I probably left it in my car. And then I'm like, no, I probably left it on top of my car. So I, I pull up at the end of that ride. And like, then from there on out, it's just like weighing on my mind. of like, you know, like the, the, I got the new iPhone. The worst. Like two months yeah, ago, the worst. And I'm thinking, I'm like, that phone's probably gone. It's got all my credit cards on the back of it. So <laughs> I get to the trailhead and like, sure enough, it's just like sitting on the corner in the front, you know, front corner on the roof of my car. And so somehow, awesome. you know, wasn't stolen, hadn't fallen off when I was going over the cattle guard. Um, so that, that felt like a win for sure. Did Katie ever say anything like, why are you just in one place for like eight hours? Well, so she did say something, but she's like, because you have basically like no cell service. She's like, I just assume like that's where your phone kind of like lost signal and you couldn't, you couldn't pick it up. Um, oh so I don't think gosh. it really, like it didn't, so it didn't, good, yeah, it wasn't too much of a signal for her. Oh, that's crazy, dude. So you didn't put much on here, but I, I, I kind of want to spend a couple minutes on. So all year, Charles was like, let's not do loaded. It's stupid. Like you were very adamant that like you are, you're not doing it again, but then you arrive at this experience and you just freaking unleash hell. Crush. So, tell, I just want to hear about what you, your day, what happened on, just give us a little play by play. So going into Lodija, like a week earlier, I had done point to point and like, I was, I was like beat up, like saddle sores, like muscles fatigued, like just, I felt really, really tired. And, and during point to point, I kept on thinking like, how am I going to go ride Lodija next week? <laughs> and like, it just like mentally, it was just like weighing on me. I, I was not excited about it. Um, but then, you know, the, the day of like, you know, you show up to the event, it's been raining that morning. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the, like the, the truth is like, for me, when I show up to like Logan, it's just, it's just fun. Right. You see all these people you've kind of been riding with you, you track on Strava or whatever. And so being at that, being in that environment, I, I do love, and like the weekend's incredible. Like the actual you know, right. race is, is, is fun, but like being up in Jackson, like, it's just such a fun, it's such a fun environment. Um, once I got there, I, I was really excited. And then I think the way the day worked out, um, you know, we got rained on pretty hard, but like, thankfully it wasn't, it wasn't cold. And yeah. I'd say, you know, when the climbs kind of came into the equation on that, on that race, like I, I felt good and at least good enough that I wasn't going to be dropped, which I think is really kind of the major fear of, of Lodija, right? It's like, once you get over salt, you know, like if you can hang in the pack for a little bit, like you're probably going to make it to the finish line and then it comes, turns into a sprint. And so 
when I realized that I was going to get over salt and that I wasn't having problems with like nutrition or hydration or like cramps, um, I think that's when it kind of like, it really flipped to being a lot more fun than just like, nice. you know, you're constantly managing your, your, your kind of race tactics to like get through that part of the ride. Nice dude. Well, you were right in the mix there. You and Harmon, what, seventh and eighth, just right off the old podium. But I mean, you were like hundreds of seconds, right? I mean, it, I, I don't, look, I don't think, I don't view myself as a person to win a sprint, but it's definitely fun to just show up there in the mix. And, and, and it was awesome. It was a great day. That's awesome. King of cram. King of, we, I'm going to have to tell the story before we wrap King of cram. So before we move into final part three, Charles's advice to listeners, our favorite loop in 2020 PC loop. So we go up. We go right up Parley's, down into Park City, and then it's like more ritualistic than anything. Like we're gonna stop at Seven Eleven at the bottom of Empire, and whatever we're gonna have a Slurpee and hang out. Like, but I think this was a Thursday morning. It was. It we was. roll. We roll up. Everyone's going in. I probably took my shoes off. I was eating whatever, like farting around. Charles is just down in the parking lot with this face that's like. Let, and, I'm so tired of waiting for you idiots inside in 7-Eleven. And I can't remember if somebody took a picture or, or if we just, was it Kristen that was like, geez, Charles, like, are you ready to go? Like, he was well, just like. Well, if, if, you've ever, if you've ever been to that 7-Eleven, Charles just wasn't like on like in front of the 7-Eleven. He was like in the back corner, like by the road, like probably 20, 25 feet away from everybody because we kind of congregate right by the door. And he just, is kind of like by the door. He's by the road. Just ready to go. Ready just to cram, dude. I, mean, I love it. Well, then ever since then, it was like a joke. Like, dude, are we stopping? Charles, are you going to be upset <laughs> if we stop, Charles? <laughs> King of cram. That's where it was invented. Oh, it's so good. All right, dude. Let's do Let's We'll uh, do some take-homes here as we kind of come in for a landing. Uh, these are so good, Charles. You want to talk about your three pieces of advice that you'd share? And this is like, whatever, family balance anything cycling uh that's kind of what we asked you to prepare so this is gold man it's gold go ahead yeah i look i think the the first one i would highlight is just like i'm a big believer and i'm definitely not perfect but just trying to be kind to other people like my my family kind of given with what we've had to deal with you know with my sister and whatnot like we've had the 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 blessing and curse of a lot of attention of like media in, in kind of the course of my life. And I think for me, the, the good part about that is like, it, it sort of brings awareness to your situation, what you're dealing with. And so people are kind, like they'll, they'll give you a break. They will want to help you. They'll want to like, you know, just do a lot of very kind and gracious things. Um, but like kind of my view and experience with most things in life is that most of the time people are just, they're suffering or they're dealing with hardship or heartache or whatever trials it might be. And it's, and it's frankly in silence. And so like, you don't have the benefit of anybody cutting you a break because like nobody really knows what you're dealing with. And so I, I just like, there's this quote, um, this is one of my favorite quotes and I'll, I'll just read it. It's like, when you meet someone, treat them as if you, as if they were in serious trouble and you'll be right more than half the time. Like that, that quote just like, to me has like rang so true in my life. And I think that a lot of people, um, honestly are, are often dealing with hardship and heartache that like really most of the world and maybe even most of their family might not even be aware of. And so I just, that, that for me is kind of like my, my number one take home. I'd say the kind of number two, like this is more kind of cycling, professional, personal development, whatever, is just like, you know, a little bit of the Team Sky mantra, which is like marginal gains, like being consistent at small things for a long period of time will, will yield really big results. And I think that's like so true in cycling. Like it's just, it's the discipline of like riding day in, day out, like building, you know, um, you know, building that base as a cyclist that, that yields results. But I, I think that really applies to anything in life. And then last, I'll just say, you know, like pedal therapy for me, like I, I'm just like, I, I love, I love to ride. Like I love to ride with friends. I also am a fan of a little bit of structure. Um, I also love, you know, just, just riding for the sake of riding. And so like, for me, I don't have like the smartest method in terms of like, 
how to structure my training or anything like that. But I just find that like pedal therapy for me fills a physical, emotional and, and spiritual bucket. That's, that's, that's super special for me. And I, I think like, I think riding a bike can honestly change the world. So that's, that's all I got. Dude, Charles, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, you say here, it might not be the smartest method, the most painful experiences I've been on, on a bike, you're right there. Like what you are doing is working. So <laughs> dude, you're one of the best men and best, you know, athletes I've ever associated with. So I count you as one of my best friends, Shaw, just absolutely the salt of the earth and, uh, grateful for you. Thankful. You'd spend a few minutes on here. Um, Jake, any, you want to say to Shaw? I just would echo what Stu says. I mean, you are, you know, the salt of the earth, Cha. I mean, you're just so grateful you've, you're on this team, the, the leadership that you bring, the example that you bring. And, you know, you're just such a mentor to me. I mean, over the years and um, just, you know, I've looked up to you ever since first meeting you in high school, man. So, uh, you know, we've been through a lot together, Sigma Chi, all this other kind of stuff, but, uh, what? you know, you're just a uh, Sigma Chi is lame. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> We're, we're another band of brothers on a little other thing, but, uh, yeah. no, I just, you know, Cha, you're, you're a great human, dude. You got a great family, a great wife, great kids. And, uh, there's not a better human in the world than you, man. So just grateful to know you and, 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 uh, yeah. Well, thanks, well, thanks. guys. Those are kind words. And I, the feeling is 100% mutual. I think, I mean, I, I go back to that, uh, just for me, like, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us need to like necessarily air any hardship or heartache that anyone's going through but like just knowing that like on any given monday morning you know at 5 30 we're going to be linking up to go ride or just that that has been such a absolutely critical part to my life um nice. I, I i love it and i love you guys and it's, it's been fun thanks thanks cha <laughs> love you man thanks cha love you dude all right thanks listeners great episode and uh we'll catch you next time thanks cha thanks cha thanks guys Thank you.